2: My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be able to make friends, I'm just trying to help make a little money. My job is not just to entertain but to explain and to educate. So call me at one 800 cbc or tweet me at Jim Cramer. This market is just addicted to growth. It can't stay away from it. After a day or two of flirting with the industrials and the retailers, the money flowed right back into the largest and large caps, the growth behemoths now known as the Magnificent Seven, along with their fellow travelers, and that was the source of strength on a truly middling day. Dow dipped five points, S&P advanced 0.37. The tech-heavy Nasdaq, chock full of these kinds of names, jumped 0.95%. And while it doesn't happen all at once, the In Seven, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla, stand out as the drivers of 2023. And after a quick dalliance away from them, once again, there seems to be no end to the levitation of these stocks. Will you look at this? Is there anything on the horizon that could change this dynamic? Why don't we go to our game plan to find out? Now, tomorrow, the only uh, thing of any real note is a a company that's going to produce called CarMax. It's it's a giant used car dealer. And I think it's going to fare pretty well here. We're beginning to see more daylight between the new and the used car prices. And that's when CarMax makes the most money. But the next week is full of tails, as I like to call them, stocks that might give you valuable insight into what's really happening out there so you can manage your own portfolio better. Right now, we're all pretty much sure that the consumers moved on from goods to services in this post-pandemic world. Makes sense. Remember, we are all long on money and short on time. Please don't forget that. That's been my wrap on the post-COVID economy for a while now. But there's no better test of that thesis than we hear from Carnival. Yes, this company was once considered COVID ground zero. Remember, you used to call it the Petri dish. But now it's sort of like it was it was like before the pandemic as a fun, inexpensive vacation, especially if you can hold your liquor. We need to pay close attention to when the company talks about future bookings on the call to gauge how much longer this travel and entertainment boom can continue. That will be crucial. Now, Tuesday. Oh, this is a tough one. Walgreens Boots Alliance. This stock has been horrible. Today's source research has said this Dow component is so hated that it, with its 6% yield, it could actually bounce, even reported just an in-line number. I agree, but I believe Wall Street has, Walgreens has a problem with what's known as shrink. That's a great euphemism for mysteriously vanishing inventory, usually due to pilferage. That problem is getting worse, not better, especially because they now have to lock everything up and force you to wait for a struggling worker to come over and open up the plexiglass. And by the way, it's not the best shopping experience. Look Got Amazon Prime Day, it could be a vicious hit for their sales. Wednesday morning, we hear from General Mills, we used to call it Generous Mills, and I think it's reporting at the right time, as there's a wave of money coming back into Staples for fear of a Fed induced recession, something Fed chief Jay Powell did not place odds on. But the market does, I kind of put those kinds of bets on every day. I mean, did you see PepsiCo is up almost two bucks today? And when that happens, General Mills barely up at all? Well, that makes me want to buy Mills into Wednesday's report. Wednesday morning, we also want to pay uh, attention to Central Banker Meeting. And get this, this is terrific. It's a panel of of world central Central bankers, and it's held by our own CBC's Sarah Eisen. I think Sarah could ask whether government stimulus has been too great, hurting the Federal Reserve's ability to maintain price stability, something I will address later in the show. Her panel will be must-watch TV. After the close, we get results from one of the most important stocks in the entire market. Moo, that's right, Micron, the maker of basic DRAM chips, the building blocks of all memory. It turns out the ChatGPT and its generative of AI offshoots use a gigantic amount of memory. Well, SK Hynix has a leg up in this particular portion of the DRAM business, that's a real good competitor to Micron, I, I sure wouldn't fight anyone who wants to own a piece of Micron right here. I think CEO Sanjay Morotra from Micron has been very conservative and reluctant to spell all the good news that AI, particularly generative AI, could bring to Micron on the earnings front. He's just not like that. But I am telling you, I think this stock will prove to be very undervalued versus its 2024 prospects because of generative AI. And that's how you have to analyze this wild trader. Next, if you think the economy's slowing, I mean, a lot of people, you know, the fence you're trying, right? What do you reach for? You reach for McCormick, the spice company, and it's fulfilling objective with a run to near 52-week high earlier today. Look at this thing! This thing has just been amazing. Down here, of course, everyone was worried about the earnings, but then, boom! And everyone's worried about a recession. Now, it wasn't that long ago that McCormick missed a couple of quarters, and Wall Street turned against one of the most reliable companies on earth. We more or less kept the faith, betting that CEO Lawrence Kersey condiment and sauce acquisitions made a ton of sense. And now that view is paying off. I like to take the temperature of small, medium sized businesses by looking at the results from a company called Paychex. The payroll processor focused on smaller enterprises. So far, there's been no cessation of hiring from this cohort that we've seen. Even though we constantly hear how the banks might tighten credit and small business owners are in trouble, Paychex has kept us informed about the continued strength here. They don't see it. Wherever I go, I hear money managers say small and medium-sized businesses are threatened by the Fed and by the analyst rate hikes. To date, that simply hasn't been true, at least not according to Paychex, and they should know. Let's see if any of these change. After the closed Thursday, we hear from the most important company of the week, and that's Nike. I think that they have a darn good long-term story, but there are some roadblocks in the short term, like a retail slowdown in China and some degree in the United States. For the first time, I'm beginning to hear a real competition Nike from the likes of Hoka, and someone by Deckers, and more important, on holdings. On holdings which is doing remarkably well, winning over both runners and casual wearers. I think on-on, as we call it from the symbol, sold off too hard after that last quarter, and there's a buy right here. I do want to recommend Nike, but we need to get past a forecast that may be more tepid than usual. Please, if you're a trader, wait until you hear the forecast on the conference call before you pull the trigger, because Nike's a forecast stock, not a results stock. Finally, on Friday, confusing one. We get earnings from Constellation's brands, STC. Now, Constellation's the maker of Modelo, which just displaced Bud Light. It's the number one beer in this country. Now, one by one, the analysts have praised Constellation, which is, by the way, owned by my charitable trust, but it hasn't done that much to lift in recent weeks. Now, we told members of the CBC Investment Clubs, uh, both in our, uh, in our morning meeting, which is at 1020, and then our meeting a little bit after two, we called the two-ish, that the stock is signaling by its own tepid action that it's gonna miss the quarter. Uh, Now, what do we do? I don't know. All I can tell you is is that while I think it's gonna be great long-term for cash flow, I don't like the action. Bottom line, it's an important week not to be minimized as we make our way to July for an employment report, a Fed meeting, and a parade of earnings, all care of an upcoming calendar change. Larry in South Carolina, Larry. Hey, Jim, I love your show. Thank you, Larry, Uh what's up? Oh, I just wanted to tell you how much I liked when you said, hey, stop scaring people about interest rates. That was great. Thank you. Um, I I just don't, I hate it when people cause panic. It drives me crazy. How can I help? Exactly. I'd like to know what you think about uh, KHC as a hedge against
3: inflation.
2: Uh, It's a decent hedge. It's just not well run. And I don't want to own a not well-run food company when I have a Campbell's that is all the way down, a Kellogg that's doing a split mode, and a General Mills that will report next week. For that matter, McCormick and even PepsiCo, they are all better than Kraft Heinz. Right, thank you for the kind of comments about my rate call. Let's go to Billy in North Carolina. Billy! Hey,
0: Jim, and thank you for your time. Of course. Um, my, quest- my question is on Target. I'm in Target at 77 a share. I wrote it all the way to the top during the pandemic, broke a major investment rule of yours and wrote it all the way back down to where it is now. I still have a profit of about 55 a share in it, but I, you know, I let go of a lot of that because I didn't sell when I should have. I'd like to know what, what I should do with it today. What are your opinions on all the right, stock? right, first, Billy, then- stop
2: kicking yourself. A lot of people made that same mistake. And who saw these problems with Target and the political backlash coming? I know I didn't. Here's what I need, need you to know. 3.3% yield, good balance sheet. Brian Cornell's good merchant, 15 times earnings. I'd rather buy it than sell it. Anthony in Michigan. Anthony. Hello, Dr. Kramer. How are you? I am fine. How about you, Anthony? Oh, quite well. Thank you. Good. Um, good. Since Dr. Buffett has stated that Berkshire Class B shares would begin to slow up um, what do you recommend for the stock A and then B? Why don't you have it in your portfolio? Okay, as well? that's a really good question. It's very hard to find out about Berkshire Hathaway. They don't do traditional conference calls. They do a once a year annual report. Uh, it is a very good company. It's an industry conglomerate. That's very hard to know. It's being driven right now by Apple, not more, uh, not anything else, frankly. And I do like the Berkshire B. I think it's good. I've been recommending Berkshire Hathaway since the show started in 2005. So I think you're okay, Monty in Florida, Monty.
1: Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, Monty. What's new, going I on? I have a new expression for you. The more you learn, the more you earn. So, therefore, i We like realizing... weird
2: I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> Feel free to use it anytime. Okay, I'll steal it.
2: I'll, <laughs> steal it. I'll steal it. I mean, people, okay. they might not know it came from you. You don't mind that, right? or I'll just use it, right?
1: Absolutely not. My pleasure. All right, pleasure. listen
2: tomorrow morning to squawk on the street, and you're going to see me take credit for what Monty in Florida just told me. Uh, my pleasure. Anyway,
1: my question for you is on Qualcomm. Um, yeah. Due to the AI infusion, obviously, of a lot of stocks, Qualcomm has been kind of in the laggards, to say the least, over the last year or so, and I was wondering what you're Okay, Qualcomm, it
2: is an inconsistently managed company and is also a company that is given to what I can only say is hype. And I don't like hype. I don't like hope. I like facts. And that one just does fulfill my dream. The market seems like it's clinging to the Magnificent Seven. And the days ahead could tell us that that trend is going to just continue and continue and continue. Oh, man, tonight... Just over a month ago, I told home gamers that we were getting a buying opportunity to defense contractors. So after a nice run up in the sector since the call, I have one particular player that I think is still worth paying attention to. I'll reveal it. Then, we've had a few tough days in this bull market, so is your portfolio prepared to handle whatever is come? We're gonna play M, I, diversify, and diversify, and to see if you can handle whatever the market throws you, know you gotta be diversified. Plus, hey, you called in, and you stumped me on RADNet. So tonight, I'm turning my homework on the medical diagnostics company. To see if it could be a RAD investment <laughs> for your portfolio. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
2: Just over a month ago, vast swathes of the market were being clobbered by debt ceiling worries, including the defense contractors. Now, see, lots of people assume there would be cuts to the Pentagon budget, like we saw in 2011 when we had that last time we had that big debt ceiling problem. But I told you it was a buying opportunity because the world has changed a great deal, and countries all over the world are rearming. Plus, even in 2011, selling the highest-quality defense contractors was a mistake. Now, as it turned out, we didn't even get any defense cuts in in this debt ceiling deal this time around. They only capped defense spending $886 billion for the next year. That was the number President Biden was actually already looking for in his next budget, which represents a 3.3% increase year-over-year. Plus, before the ink was even drying, we started hearing about all the ways— in the defense, in defense that the Hawks, and they're always there, want Congress to be able to get around the cap on defense spending, and they're going to win. Defense hawks are going to get more spending out of this budget. So the strategy I outlined a little over a month ago worked out pretty darn well. The iShares U.S. Aerospace and Defense ETF, that's ITA for you, home gamers. it pulled back from 113 when we ran this segment We told you to buy it on pullback. Sure enough, it went to 108 at its low of May 31st, and then you got that nice buy opportunity. Since then, it's rallied 6% to 114 and change. I'll take it. Now, if you look at the major defense contractors, Huntington Ingalls has jumped more than 8% just in June. Lockheed's up more than 4%. Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, and General Dynamics are all up over 5%. Tonight, though, I want to zoom in on one of my absolute favorites. RTX, that's the artist formerly known as Raytheon Technologies. They just hit us with a rebrand earlier this week, along with a couple of very positive developments. But first, you need to remember, RTX is not just the old Raytheon. It's it's the company that was created when United Technologies merged its aerospace division with the old Raytheon. Big aerospace business, big and high-tech defense business. As much as I like the defense contractor side right now, I absolutely adore aerospace because airlines all over the world desperately need more planes thanks to the consumer's insatiable demand for travel. When have you ever been on a plane where there's a seat open? That means more orders for component makers, including RTX's two uh, important subsidiaries, Pratt & Whitney for engines, and Collins Aerospace for practically everything else. At the Paris Air Show on Tuesday, RTX CEO Greg Hayes spoke to CNBC's own Phil LeBeau, and he gave us some incredibly upbeat commentary on the industry. I don't even know if anyone paid attention to it. Listen to this.
3: Through the end of the decade, both Boeing and Airbus are essentially sold out. So people, I think right now, they're, they're putting orders into secure delivery spots. And the fact of the matter is the aerospace, commercial aerospace market continues to grow. You know, we had a pause for exactly one year during the pandemic. We're back to pre-pandemic levels domestically for air traffic. We're almost back there internationally. And we still see four and a half five percent annual growth, at least for the next decade.
1: That is huge.
2: Don't forget, your typical aerospace bull market lasts for about seven years, precisely because these cycles are so long. As for RTX especially, their Collins subsidiary announced a maintenance performance monitoring deal with Japan Airlines and a maintenance repair and overall uh, services deal with Envoy Air, which is a subsidiary of American Airlines. Pratt & Whitney announced that United Airlines had selected their super fuel-efficient GTF engine to power 120 Airbus planes. While Mexican low-cost carrier Volaris has selected the GTF to power 64 Airbus planes. They also got new engine maintenance contracts with Croatia Airlines and Condor. That's a German airline. Even better, Pratt & Whitney's uh, building new factories or expanding uh, existing ones because in some places they're already full at full capacity. Yes, they have to expand because they have so much business. Now understand, those are just orders. None of these announcements really mean anything for RTX's sales or earnings this year. But when we hear about all this incredible demand and the fact that the elevated demand could last well into the 2030s, it shows you this is indeed a classic aerospace cycle that could last for many, many years. Plus, given that so much of RTX's future business is locked in on the aerospace side, Wall Street should be willing to pay more for the earnings here, because money managers always pay up for visibility. How about the defense business? As much as I want Ukraine to drive out the Russians as soon as possible, it seems obvious this war could linger for quite some time, giving a boost to the entire defense sector. Not only will companies like RTX be able to sell weapons to the countries arming Ukraine, they can sell them all over the world because this land war in Europe has made our allies eager to rearm. In terms of the war in Ukraine specifically, this will give RTX a multi-year tailwind because the munitions we send them tends to uh, come out of our stockpiles, so these pro- uh, products will be needed to be backfilled over time. That's the term they use, backfill. Don't take it from me. Just listen again to what Greg Hayes just told Phil LeBeau in Paris.
3: It's a decade-long issue. We're, we're going through our war stocks, call it Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, Javelin anti-tank missiles, 155-millimeter artillery shells. We're going through those munitions at a rate none of us expected. It. it will take us years to restock the U.S. and our NATO allies' inventory. So. You know, to date, we have seen about $2 billion of orders related to Ukraine restocking. We expect another $3 billion or so this year. But there is probably a multiple of that that we'll see over the next three or four years. But it is, it's not a this year, next year. It literally will be for the next decade.
2: Next decade. Wow. Just like the aerospace side, RTX is locking in major business for years to come now less than 12 hours after those comments we got a tangible example of what this looks like when rtx announced a 1.15 billion dollar contract with the u.s air force for advanced medium-range air-to-air missiles they're called amrams these are the most combat proven missiles that can be used both from fighter jets or from the ground Uh, and the ukrainians have been going through them like crazy so we need to restock. And same goes for our allies. This is not a major contract, given that RTX missiles and defense business did about $15 billion in revenue this year. But it shows there's just a lot of business constantly coming. Governments need to rebuild their munitions stockpile, and Ukraine goes through so many. However, despite all this good news, RTX stock hasn't gained any ground this week. Come on! I mean, it's actually down slightly, even as it's roughly in line with the averages, because, you know, there's just so much love for technology, not for, of you the know, stocks! It actually tumbled more than 2% today thanks to a strike at a totally different aerospace supplier, Spirit Aerosystems, which hammered the whole complex, even as it's not at all directly related. The bottom line, I think you're getting another chance to buy RTX into unjustified weakness here, because if anything, I feel much more confident about their long-term prospects in both aerospace and defense, two businesses where they it seems set for many, many years of gigantic orders. Mad money is back
1: after the break. Coming up, spread the wealth and protect yourself. Find out if your portfolio has what it takes to make it in any market. Am I diversified? Is next.
0: your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases that's the powerful backing of american express learn more at americanexpresscom slash business
4: gold card from their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway
2: Valley, take a breather this week, with only a handful of stocks keeping the indices afloat. So is this narrow leadership here to stay, or could we start to see some more names participate, potentially move higher, broadening it out? Well, that's a good reason to play on my diversify. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, I tell you your portfolio is diversified enough. Maybe you need to mix it up a little. Why don't we start with Bobby. Bobby, in New York, you're our first caller. What do you got?
0: Hey, Jim,
2: long-time listener, club member. Thank you Thanks, so much you. for your help. Ah, throw the drone on the phone. Let's go to work. Uh, my top five holdings are Apple, J.P. Morgan, J&J, Procter & Gamble, and Coca-Cola. Am I diversified? All right, Bob. I mean, we've got a very interesting development here because we have Apple, of course, which is own-it-don't-trade-it technology, J.P. Morgan, which is one of the greatest banks out there. But then some people would say, wait a second, aren't these all... Coca-Cola, J&J, and Procter consumer products companies. I would say no. They are absolutely not. What I would look at here is that Procter is a consumer product company, Coca-Cola is a drink company, and J&J is a drug company. It's spun off, actually, its kind of consumer product group that's a lot like Procter. So I'm calling this a bank, a technology company, a drug company, a soft drink company, and a consumer product company, and therefore I think Bobby is very well diversified. Next up, we have Chris and Alabama, Chris. What do you have for me?
0: Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call.
2: Uh, quite welcome. Uh, my stocks are Microsoft, Eli Lilly, Visa, Home Depot, and Thermo Fisher. Woo! Very interesting group again. Why? Home Depot, classic retail, really levered right now to housing and, of course, the renovation and remodeling. Thermo Fisher is a company that's been hurt. It's a post-COVID name. They made a lot of machines that were very good in COVID. As we cycle through uh, the ends of the days of COVID, it's good. the comparisons will get easier right now. They're very tough. So that's not been a good stock, but that's okay. Microsoft, Cloud, class of all field technology, big uh, travel trust name. Visa, fit the original FinTecher, by the way, and Eli Lilly, the number one drug company, and now the largest drug company uh, in America having passed J&J. We have a drug company, we have a retailer, we've got a medical equipment company, we've got a tech company, and we have a fintech company, and that's what I call perfect diversification. Now let's go to Blaze in Wisconsin. Blaze.
1: Hi, Jim. This is Blaze from Wisconsin. As I age, I'm increasingly interested in dividends. I wanted to put a twist on this segment by requiring stocks which yield at least 2%. Okay. My five stocks are Broadcom, Archer Daniels of Midlands, Marathon Petroleum, J.P. Morgan,
2: and Verizon. Am I diversified? Wow. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be very hard. I mean, very hard on things. We'll do a Ar- Archer Daniels, we know, uh, ag company is perfect. You know, Marathon, good oil. Uh, J.P. Morgan, great bank. Broadcom, very high-yielding technology company. It's Verizon that I'm worried about that yields 7%. When you get 7%, it's out of sync with the rest of the market. That means people are going to question the cash flow, be able to cover the dividend. So we're going to pull Verizon. We're not going to want to be in Verizon because it's too high too high yield, so to speak. And let's use one that I have far more confidence in the dividend, which is Johnson & Johnson, AAA balance sheet, 3% yield. I'll feel much better if you make that change. Next up, we have William in Arizona. William. Hi, Jim. Um, I've got my concentration with three accounts is Apple at 53.1 percent, Microsoft at 7.3 percent, Lionel Hazel at 4.6 percent, Abby V at 4.3 percent, and Iron Mountain at 3.9 percent. Okay. Now, this gentleman did give us the uh – the percentage breakdowns. And obviously, I think you could tell where I'm going here, which is he has too much Apple. It's cross disciplines. Remember, uh, own it, don't trade it, is always trumped by the discipline of having too much in one stock. So you're going to have to cut that back and redistribute. Microsoft, not that big a yield um, now, but uh, very good, high quality stock, good yield in Iron Mountain, good uh, good yield Abvi, and lined up with Zell, good yield. So chemical, tech, uh, record-keeping, I don't know, drug, and then we have to do this. We have to redistribute among these names, even as I think Apple's a great company, we can't have more than 50% in one stock. We shouldn't even have more than 20% in one particular stock. And then lastly, we have Terry and Washington. Terry. Fuck, I boo you, Jim. Done. What's up?
1: Professor Kramer, I'd like to thank you for letting me retire at age fifty seven. God bless you and thank you for everything you do for us, little tiny Oh
2: thank you very much. Thank you. I I, it means it means the world to me. I got people after me thinking that I like I told them to short NVIDIA or something. I mean, you know, it's just not true. So let's go to work. What do you got? (laughs) Okay, my top five holdings, Eli Lilly, Nvidia, Caterpillar, Halliburton and Raytheon. Jim. I Let me go to work immediately. You're a Caterpillar, undervalued stock. People don't understand there's $5 trillion in, in, in infrastructure money coming right at them from the federal government. There's a hold the stock was listed. The guy put it out as a hold today. I read the piece. and read like a buy. That's wrong. Well, machinery. Eli Lilly, the largest drug company in America. We know they got the diabetes and they got the weight loss and they got the Alzheimer's. NVIDIA, own it, don't trade it. That is the source of all AI. Halliburton Oil Service, it's not doing that well right now, but you got to have some stocks around out of favor. And Raytheon Technologies. what like I said, Greg Hayes doing a terrific job. So we've got aerospace defense, we got oil service, we got technology related to AI, we have drug and we have machinery. You know what? That is the way anyone would like to end MI Diversify with the most diversified portfolio that we had. Mad Money is back after the break.
1: Coming up. Dog ate your homework? Have no fear. Professor Kramer's got sweat equity in your success, and he's turning in a key assignment next.
2: Every night I take your calls to make sure I'm addressing the stocks you care about most. Not just the ones I personally like, although I do a lot of those too. Occasionally, though, you will stump me with something I haven't been following or don't even recognize. And I always promise to do some more research and circle back rather than cuff things. I like going through these homework exercises because they can be a terrific way to teach you how to learn about a stock you're not that familiar with. It's like I'm not familiar with it. So last Friday, Rich in California asked about a company called RadNet. He actually gave us a whole pitch for it. This is a diagnostic imaging company, but Rich was focused on something new. Their efforts to use artificial intelligence, AI, for mammograms. Something that allows them to spot breast cancer earlier than the current standard. So I like a good story. I mean, I, I like what I heard. But because RadNet's had a huge run over the past eight months... In- including right now, I punted, saying we had to do more work on it before giving an opinion. I mean, if all the good news is in the stock, you don't want to buy it. So let me walk you through it. RadNet's the leading national provider, freestanding, fixed-site, diagnostic imaging services in our country. They've got a network of 363 outpatient imaging centers across the mid-Atlantic, California, Florida, and Arizona. Take MRIs, CAT scans, PET scans, diagnostic radi- radiology, ultrasounds, mammograms, among other procedures. You know, those cost a ton of money. They also sell computerized systems to help handle all the digital imaging as these machines create. Solid. How about the AI side of the story? Now, i got to tell you, I'm extremely wary of AI-related hype. But it's true, as Rich said when he called last Friday, Radnet's been working on AI-powered screening technologies for various types of cancer. They've got a subsidiary that's been working on AI-powered breast cancer detection for quite some time. And last year, they made a couple of acquisitions to let them do similar things with lung cancer and prostate cancer. In short, the AI exposure is real. That said, the imaging center side of the business still accounts for the vast majority of RadNet sales, more than 99% last year. So, in that sense, I see on the cake. Now, RadNet's been a phenomenal performer for the past decade, up about 1,192% over the last 10 years, versus a mere 174% gain for the sp 500 over the same period. So much for your index fund versus RadNet. Nearly all that run was driven by the strength of the core imaging business as procedures that used to take place in the hospital increasingly go to outpatient facilities like RadNet's. Plus, unlike many of their competitors, these guys offer one-stop shop for imaging, rather than just being an MRI center or a radiology center. This gives them better relationships with doctors, which translates to more referrals. That's the general radnet story, but there is now an AI, kick, AI kicker, although to be clear, they were working on this for years before AI became cool. Over the past seven months, though, they've gotten a slew of AI-related news from the company, which has helped the stock surge from a low of $12 in November to 32 and change right now. In November, RadNet's AI-fueled lung cancer screening subsidiary announced a collaboration deal with Google Health. In December, the breast cancer subsidiary got FDA approval for its mammogram assessment software. In February, they launched a new enhanced breast cancer detection service based on that software. And in May 1st, they got FDA clearance for their latest generation of AI-powered software for prostate cancer screening. Wow. So I am certainly on board with RadNet's future short, but what about for the stock? The thing's nearly tripled from its November lows still. So does it still make sense to buy it up here? Maybe you missed. Look, rather had steady revenue growth for years, around an 8 percent compound annual growth rate for the past decade. But that accelerated to 14 percent in the first quarter because, well, uh, perhaps, I don't know, people are getting non-urgent surgery again post-pandemic. We've learned that from a couple of companies, including health insurers. And that often requires imaging beforehand. But and big up, big buy here. The earnings are much harder to get a handle on. that made $0.66 cents per share in 2018, but they haven't even come close to that level since. In 2021, they made $0.46 cents per share. Last year, they fell at $0.17 cents per share. This year, Wall Street's only looking for a penny per share, and they actually lost $0.36 cents per share in the first quarter, which was much worse than expected. As for the AI kicker, it's very hard to value it right now because all this is so early stage, but if they want to invest in it heavily, that's going to cause a real hit to the company's profitability in the near term. Might be worth it, I know, uh, but it's just that owning this stock up here is all about betting on a somewhat distant future. Oh, but one other caveat: Redman has a, a lot more debt than I like. But I'm not going to ding them for it because, I, it, you know, that in the past week they just did a giant secondary, $260 million. That's gross proceeds to them. By the way. That offering was upsized, and although it priced below where the stock had been trading and caused the stock to fall nearly 9% last Wednesday, it's now recovered to its pre-secondary levels. That tells there's a ton of demand on Wall Street for this stock. Buy, buy, buy. At the end of the day, I'm willing to give right up my blessing, but only for speculation, please. I think Rich in California may have found a real winner here. I love our, how smart our callers are. I'm calling it high risk, high reward. However, given the huge run in the stocks in November and the fact that it's benefited from AI-related hype lately, you need to prepare for adding to get hit hard the next time we get a meaningful correction in growth stocks or in healthcare stocks. Something that could easily happen because of the more hawkish commentary from the Federal Reserve or just general exhaustion with a group that's been rallying like crazy lately. But the bottom line. I'd actually welcome a pullback and ride that because I hate to chase stocks after enormous rallies. I like the story, and I can make an argument for it, maybe even up here. But I'd much prefer you to keep your bat on the shoulder and wait for a steep sell-off that could give you a much better entry point. And again, please, only for speculation, meaning don't touch it with money that you can't afford to lose. Man Money's back
1: after the break. Coming up. What's in your mind, Craymerica? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next.
2: It is time. It's over the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski. time for the lightning round. Let's start with Jackie in New York. Jackie. Hi, Jim Kramer. Thank you so much for taking my call. And thank you for calling. And I, I've been watching you since Cudlow and Kramer. And, yeah, I'm dating myself. And um, I'm a member of the yes. club. Yes. Thank you. The club is indispensable. I keep telling people that you want to make money in your portfolio or try to. I always want to do my best. The club. How can I help?
0: So at this price, what do you
2: think of CMI Cummins? Cummins had her on recently. I think that stock is a buy right here. Longer term, Cummins is the best there is. Let's go to Adam in Illinois.
1: Adam. Hey, Jim, uh, calling from Cubs Country with a booyah from a club member. Thanks so much
2: for everything you do. Thank you.
1: Got a question about commercial real estate. With all the turmoil in that sector, I've been long SPG for years, and I'm starting to wonder now if it's time to pull back.
2: Yeah, look, it is a tough situation. I was in one of SPG's malls. It was all anecdotal. And frankly, it was just horrible. I mean, like, I was just shocked at how horrible it was. It was like a ghost mall, and it was very, very depressing. I absolutely see the problems. But (coughs) I will say this. Federal Realty, FRTS, got a much better business model. And that's when you want to be because it's more mixed use. That is now the safer stock. Let's go to Michael in Florida. Michael. Booyah, Jim. This is Leader Michael Leader in Miami, Florida. Here, how you doing? I am doing well. How about you? I'm well. It's uh, storming just like my ADT call. I bought it back in March, hoping Google dipping in a little yeah. money into it. And you know, no, it would do a no little, Let me uh, tell you, it's never this. too late to sell that stock. That's how bad that is. I mean, it just just been an abomination that stock, and I don't mind calling them out. Let's go to Kenny in South Carolina, Kenny yeah, Professor Kramer.
1: Yes, what's going on? Uh, well, it was a good day until we found out that the five people on the submersible lost their lives yes. when the uh, mini submarine imploded.
2: Yeah, that was sad. Uh, we all were focused on that. We were always hopeful. we were hopeful. Anyway, our hope did not work. But, uh, well, our thoughts
1: uh, and prayers are with the family. Yeah.
2: Wow, that was just terrible. Yeah, I hope families okay. okay how can Jim, you, I how appreciate can I you it? taking
1: the call. My All question's right? concern
2: AbbVie uh,
1: Pharmaceutical okay, Company. Okay, has
2: got some very troubling things going on because they have a major drug that is coming off patent. I would much rather see you in the very reduced J&J uh, in terms of price. You look at what happened with 3M when it settled its decision. All those lawsuits involving PFAS, which is Forever Chemicals. If J&J were to settle a situation when it comes to talc. Uh, then I think that stock could have a similar move. Let's go to Michelle in New York.
0: Michelle. Hey there, Jim. Booyah. How are you?
2: Doing well. How about you, Michelle?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, Like to know your take on
2: Datadog. Datadog is a very well-run company. It's going to put up some good numbers. I really think that that is one of the few techs I can say right now that as of the Growth Friday, it's not making a lot of money, uh, that they will be making a lot of money next year, and I think it's a buy. Let's go to David in North Carolina. David, Say hey Jim. When I was eight years old, my, When I was eight years old, my mother told me to take my birthday and tour money and invest it. So I did okay. it in my public utility. What do you think of those in Kansas City
0: investing in energy
2: Very good company. Absolutely. And I like the yield, four and a quarter. I think that's a terrific idea. Uh, and I think that uh, you're, uh, you're, you're your mom, right. I have to tell you, I like that stuff very much. I should do a little more profile on it. Uh, okay, and let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark.
1: Dr. Kramer, yes. thank you for taking my call. Hi, welcome. I uh, got a stock
2: for you in the logistics, uh, based in Mondobe, Wisconsin. Uh, strong insider position, think family owned.
3: All they do is make money and pay a dividend. I currently own it.
2: Should I buy more? Ticker MRTN, Martin Transport. Your thoughts? Fabulous trucking company. Trucking coming starting to do well. That one is well below where XPO is. I think that that's a real interesting situation. Hey, let's go to Bob in Florida. Bob.
1: Yeah. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, first, I just want to let you know I joined your investment club uh, recently. You. I've thank been you. watching you for years, and I want to thank you for all you do for us. Thank and... Uh, I have a question today about a company that supplies materials and logistics to the fracking industry exclusively in the Permian Basin. There are only about 10 analysts that follow it, but it's got six buys and four strong buys. I wonder, what do you think about Atlas Energy Solutions? That's
2: going to trade with the price of oil. and I've been telling people, I think the price of oil is too high and going lower. It almost seems popped up here and cannot stay higher. That's why we've been not buying, even though it would be helpful to our bases any of our oil stocks right here. I just don't think they're going to make you money right now. Nick in Illinois. Nick. Give it chill. Big family show in your guard. What's going on? I remember when I bought my first stock. Sweet, sweet dividends. Now I'm playing more speculative trade. With the Gen Z student loan pause being lifted, what's your thoughts on SoFi? Okay, when SoFi was in four, we sat down with Anthony No, we were in Santa Barbara and we looked in the eye we started, we liked the story very, very much. It has since doubled, and I've got to tell you, there was someone who came out with a sale this very night on SoFi at $8.50. I like it. I don't love it as much as when it was in four, though. That's just the way the business works. We're not done. Let's go to Luis in Puerto Rico. Luis.
0: Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Of course.
0: I mean, I was, I'm a long listener. I, I love your show. You're doing great. Thank You're you. a great guy. I, Thank I love you. the way you express things about the stock market and the stock themselves. Thank you. So I'll... I'll I'm calling you because I, I wanted to know uh, your opinion about this uh, stock um, and the software and the AI software. And this is a boom, uh, a booming uh, theme right now. Right. Uh, a topic that is doing great. And I mean, I don't know if, okay. uh, is it, if it's a what, bubble or not. And what's I, the stock? Uh, C3 AI.
2: Look, I love Tom Sebaugh. I've known him for many, many years. But that stock has moved far, too far too fast when they did not have a good quarter. So I'm not going C- to give it my blessing. I just can't. I just can't. Let's take one more. Let's go to Christopher in Virginia. Christopher. Kramer. Oh, my yeah. God. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh, thank I really you, appreciate all your Thank artwork. you for calling. Thank you. No problem. I do have one thing. This company has been increasing their debts by a substantial amount. Also, they're also hiring, too. I believe this is just a hype phase for AI. They released a DJ sound AI for um,
1: Spotify. Tell me what you think.
2: Spotify had a terrific quarter. This was just a, a, a light sound quarter, and the stock was absolutely right to miss. I mean, to, to move. And it's not, it's not a miss, it's not a hype. It's the reality. Spotify is a very, very good company. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the signs read, Help Wanted. But is the cavalry expected? Kramer explains why a worker shortage may be in the office. Next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post Nine at the NYSE. That was for for the fascinating a fascinating block? block of news we just, just did, wasn't it, guys? Colorful, though. We're here to educate and entertain, right, Jim? Some days more yes. entertain than educate. <laughs> yes! It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Jim, I love you, man. I've
2: been watching you from day one. Thank you for all the wonderful advice that you provide us. I'm learning so much watching your show. Watch your program every day. I love it. always wanted to say booyah on your show. Thank you for being the greatest in the world. We consider you the money market maker, and we thank you for all you do.
0: I love your show. I love your show, and we think it's the most entertaining program on TV.
2: palace finishes two days from capitol hill and while he was his usual controlled self making sure not to say anything surprising i feel like he did miss a chance to talk about what's really going on here persistent inflation fueled in part by congress that's right we can keep thinking about how the fed can stop the rate hikes uh without allowing inflation to flare up But because of the American Rescue Plan, meant to restart the economy after COVID, then the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act to reduce sagging bridges, tunnels and roads, followed by the Inflation Reduction Act, more climate-preserving infrastructure, and then the Chips and Science Act for tech preeminence, our government's created a monster amount of stimulus over the past few years. I mean, we're talking about as much as $5 trillion worth, although much of it hasn't even hit yet. It's kind of stuck in the states. And there's no way the economy can hit all that money without generating incredible inflation, including ridiculous wages inflation, but it's never talked about. All this money is flowing into an economy that simply can't handle it all. We don't have a large enough workforce. We don't have a growing workforce. We don't have an immigration policy that can bring in more workers to help us. And we certainly don't have an educational system that can help retrain people for jobs where there are too quali- there are just too few qualified candidates. Think about it. the skills needed for these jobs aren't taught enough, like how to weld or how to build differentiated custom steel. We don't graduate enough engineers either, and all the big tech and aerospace companies always snap up the good ones. There's too much demand for engineers and not enough supply. Now, I know Powell wants the Fed to stay independent, and that means avoiding partisan politics as much as possible. He probably doesn't want to point any fingers when he's on the Hill. But, man, the Fed really can't do this thing alone. In fact, we're now at the point where every time Powell raises short rates, we may see the long rates actually go down. That's right, not up, which can defeat the entire purpose of tightening. Right now, we have a housing shortage. If you want that shortage to go away, the last thing you need are cheaper mortgages. And those get priced off of long rates. Home prices have now soared 40% in four years. And right now, housing is the worst part of our inflation dilemma. Incredibly, after multiple hikes in a row, last night, we heard from KB Homes, a gigantic homeowner, that home buying is just picked up momentum. I mean, that's just crazy. But the housing shortage is that pretty darn palpable. At this point in the business cycle, the Fed can beat inflation by making it more expensive to borrow money, which causes businesses to downsize, throwing more people out of work because when you lose your job, you don't spend money. Eh, Tough way to do it, but but it is almost impossible for the Fed to engineer mass job losses when we've got all this stimulus spending coming our way. Even if the Fed takes rates all the way up to 7%, I bet we still have a work shortage. Is there anything that can be done? First, we have to admit there's a problem. I mean, which no one in the Biden administration seems willing to do. Second, I'm not saying we should roll back the infrastructure bill or the climate subsidies and the Inflation Reduction Act or the semiconductor spending and the chips act. There's still a, that's a lot of good stuff there. But you see, it's coming at the wrong time. That's why I hope our government can stretch that money out, slow the stimulus down, just backload it as much as as much as possible. we got to do that. The last thing we need is this continued fire hose of money. Turn off the spigot temporarily, and we have a shot at cooling down the job market without needing the Fed to go thermonuclear on us, which I feel like they may have to. Listen, regular viewers know I'm a huge fan of Jay Powell. I know there are all these hotshot money managers who love to come on our air and blast Powell for waiting too long to raise rates. Never mind that Powell's admittedly, he's admitted himself repeatedly. I mean, the guy didn't get it right initially. But more important, can we just accept that the White House in Congress, not Powell, White House in Congress, massively overshot with the stimulus in 2021 and 2022, and Powell simply tried to clean up their mess with the only tool he has at his disposal? Unfortunately, he can't do it on his own. He needs help from our elected leaders, and I do not see that coming anytime soon. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you, right here man, money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you next time. Last call starts now.
3: its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such to view the full mad money disclaimer please visit cnbc.com forward slash mad money disclaimer
4: this podcast is supported by fedex dear small and medium businesses no one wants happy customers more than you do